0: say the game is getting old, Monday morning and your coffee's cold, life is not what you want it to be, you need another chance to be who you want to be, yeah. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction, my name is Jay Izzo and oh my goodness do we have a great show, I don't mean just a great show, I mean a great show, have you ever been one of those people? Who have been like, you know, I've got so many ideas in my head and I just can't get them out. And then I don't know what to do with those ideas because I'm I'm just not sure how to get those ideas to get them to do what I want them to do. Or maybe one of those people who say, you know, Jay, I have, you know, I've been wanting to get done these 15,000 things that I just can't get done. Right? Have you ever been one of those people Right? It's like, I don't have enough time in my day. I don't know how to get all this stuff done. That. There's really important things I need to get done, but I can't get them done. I don't know what to do. How do I get these things done? You know what? I have got the answer man for you. <laughs> yeah. His name is Charlie Gilkey. I'm holding up the book for those of you Facebook Live. It is a big, green, beautiful green book. It's called Start Finishing How to Go from Idea to Done. Yeah, that's what he's written, and he's written this great book. I am telling you, this book is so comprehensive about how to get your stuff done. Seriously i mean from distractions you know getting getting your pack together i'm talking about you know being smart i'm talking about all sorts of things he's put together a pyramid to break it all down um it's just amazing and it's glorious and he is going to be absolutely awesome so if you are ever been in that place where you said Jay, I just don't know how to get this stuff done. I've got all these ideas. I don't know how to get them into a project. I don't know how to get all the projects that I have get done. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Charlie Gilkey tonight is going to be able or today is going to be able to help you get your stuff done by Start Finishing. But before we get back to Charlie, let's do what we do every week, right? Let's check in with you in the four areas of your life. You know that I believe we're four-part people, right? We're physical people, mental people, emotional people, and spiritual people. So let's check in with those four areas, all right, and see where you're at right now, right? So, on a scale of one to ten, one being miserable, ten being just the best you could possibly be, five being average. Physically, where are you at today, everybody? Right? Are you are you a three? You know, you just ugh, right? Or are you an eight? Because man, you just you just physically feel amazing. You feel like you can just like run through brick walls. How are you, what are you, what's your number out there, right? And remember, the, 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 there's, there's some questions you need to ask yourself. First, The first question is, why are you that number, right? Whatever the number is, why are you that number? And then the second question is, what can you do right now to change that number to get to the next number? Because I'm not interested in you getting from like a 3 to a 10, but I would like to see you get from a 3 to a 4. So what can you do to change that number right now? to get yourself to the next number physically. And it may be working out, it may be eating less, it may be eating right, it may be cutting something out that you, maybe it's a bad habit, eating habit that you have. You know, maybe eat late, you know, it could be a variety of things. Maybe it's, you just need to go out and get it, you know, take a walk a little extra time, right? It could be whatever it is. What can you do to change that, right? Because the whole idea is to change that number. So you got that first number physically, right? Scale of one to 10, right? You got that first number. Okay. That's your first number, the physical number. The second number is the mental number, right? And what I mean by mentally is what are you feeding your brain, right? We have two halves of the brain, that right side, that creative side. And then we have the left side, which is the more logical side, right? How are you feeding both halves of that brain? brain? What is the information you're taking in? You know, Charlie, I know, is a big, huge reader. He he probably reads between five and 15 books uh, a a month, and he loves reading, and that's how he fills his mind, right? That's how he mentally uh, gains knowledge. So, on that same scale, one being miserable, ten being outstanding, where are you at mentally in terms of feeding your brain? And same two questions. Why are you there, and then what can you do to change that? Alright, so you have two numbers. You have a physical number and a mental number. Let's move on to the emotional number, right? Same scale. One's miserable. Ten's outstanding. Emotionally, where are you at? And what do I mean by emotionally? What I'm saying emotionally to you is this. The, you know, we talk about emotional quotients or emotional intelligence. Well, I'm going to break it down and make it really, really simple for you, alright? The first part of that whole thing is how well are you able to control your emotions? You know, you have total control over your emotions. You know that, right? You do not have to feel the way you feel. Matter of fact, you can always change the way you feel. It's not easy, you didn't say that, but having more emotional control allows you to be able to do more things. And so how are you doing emotionally, right? That's the first part, right? The second part of that emotional intelligence is how well are you able to relate to the emotions of others? Right? Can you tune in to another person's emotions, right? Can you I know not sympathy. I'm talking about empathy here, right? Can you can you feel what they feel and walk in their shoes, right? How well are you doing in those areas? How well are you how well are you really doing emotionally and keeping it together and, and being able to control that? Right? And whatever that number is, it's the same questions, right? Why are you that way? And then what can you do to change that, right? So much of this is intention, by the way. When it comes to emotions, I mean, it's about being more emotionally intentional with yourself because, you know, that person who cut you off in traffic, you didn't have to give them a hand sign. You could have you could have kept it all together and said, okay, well, maybe he's late or whatever the problem may have been. But the point being is that you always have more control than you think you have. And then finally, the fourth number, the spiritual number, right? Right. And people get a little confused about that. And I like to say, you know what? If you if you take the physical, the mental, and the emotional, and you put that all aside, whatever's left, that's probably more of the spiritual areas of our life. And it's also what gives us a center or a sense of peace or how we get back to center on some level, right? And it could be a variety of things for some people. Some people it's God. Some people it's nature. Some people it's meditation. Some people, you know, it's uh, it's physical exercise. Actually, believe it or not, it can be a spiritual moment for them. Some, it, it could be a variety of things that spiritually you're. Connected with that, you that you don't necessarily understand, but you know the truth of the matter is we have there's there's something that touches us right and deep within us that we can't always explain and science doesn't always explain it very well. And so I need to ask you, how is that spiritual area of your life going on a scale of one to 10, 1 being miserable, ten being outstanding? And I and I need to ask, is it is it working for you, right? I mean, if if it is God, how's that relationship working for you? If it's meditation, how's that working out for you? If it's nature, how's that working out for you? So you have four numbers now, right? You have a physical number, a mental number, an emotional number, and a spiritual number. And you got to think of those as the legs of a chair, all right? Because, you know, if the chair legs are uneven, it's kind of hard to sit in, and it's not very good for our posture. And same token, if the legs of the chair are really low, it's also uncomfortable to sit in, and that makes it very difficult for us to be the person that we're intended to be. So bring those areas up of your life. Get the chair right. Get your chair in the right position. And you know you know that you can do that because you can make those changes yourself. And speaking of making changes, a person that I'm about to interview that I'm so excited to interview. His name is Char- Charlie Gilkey. And Charlie Gilkey is uh, an out First of all, he's he's a phenomenal guy. He's the founder of Productive Flourishing dot com. He's an author. He's a business strategist. He's a coach. He's a social philosopher. He's a veteran, which you know how I feel about that. He's a speaker, high end demand speaker, by the way. He's been fe- featured on Inc. and in Inc. magazine, Time, Forbes, and Entrepreneur. Charlie is, if if I could say, Renaissance man. Uh, that's probably doing him an injustice, to be honest with you. Uh, he has his his website. Um, Productive flourishing is routinely placed in the top 50 websites for planning, productivity, and creativity, and team development for creative folks. Uh, he's written he's written books. Uh, that one of the ones before this was called Small Business Lifecycle, uh, which he wrote. Char- Charlie is works widely cited across uh, media outlets. I told you he's been on BNet, Time, Forbes, Guardian, Lifehacker, more. He I, I will tell you this about Charlie. And he says this about himself, and I love this about him, so let me just say this. If a mad scientist were to do a Freaky Friday experiment and cross an entrepreneur, army officer, and philosopher, he'd be what pops out. And then, once he popped out, he tried to figure out, help them try to figure out how to make himself better. And you know what? He's an awesome guy. He's pragmatic, philosophical, and yet compassionate, and yet disciplined. Creative, yet analytical, driven, yet laid back. Happy but calm. He's got a great sense of humor, and uh, I can't wait to talk to him. Welcome to the show and a new direction, Charlie Gilkey. Everybody, welcome him to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jay. I'm pumped to be here, and not least because you pumped me up. (laughs)
0: Well, this book, uh, by the way, available anywhere books are sold, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you pick it, it's there, the book. By the way, just want to let everybody know, the Start Finishing, uh, Seth Godin uh, wrote at the very top of the book, he said, Start Finishing is a game changer, a modern day classic that will dramatically change your work and that's a pretty heavy duty endorsement uh, if I do say so myself. I, I want to talk to you, though, about when it comes to projects and ideas and finishing, because you really start off the book this way. You know, we have a lot of stuff, and and, and I don't want to get, we have a lot of stuff in our heads that we go, oh, I want to do this. Oh, if, you know, I need to do that. Or or where we are the person, you know, who says, yeah, I, I, you know, I got all these projects to do. I don't know how to get them done. So, help us kind of. Clear the deck if you will I matter of fact. I think that's words that you use. How do we? To help us with ideas and projects why it's so difficult and why do we why are we there? And then where do we go from there?
1: You know, that's a great starting spot and I'm going to sort of unpack a few things here one is the fact that if it requires time energy and attention it's a project Mm. And I think when we think about projects, too many people think about economic work. They think about you know sort of what they get paid to do, and they put that in the project camp. And then the work of their lives, they don't necessarily think about as a project. And what ends up happening is we end up applying a certain way of decision-making, a certain way of prioritizing, a certain way of allocation to the economic parts of our life. Hmm. And then the work of our lives gets left hanging, or we end up – like sort of sliding it into leftovers from what's in our economic life. So not only do we overcommit in our economic work, we just don't have the room for the work of our lives, being a great parent, being a great husband, being a great friend, being in shape, all the different things we could think about that we put in that bucket. And I so love that you started the interview with the four domains. Mm-hmm. Um And I would just, if I may, add one other that I would want people to think about, and that would be, where are you in your social domain of your life? Where are you in your relationships? Where are you with um, the people around you, your community, your nation? It could also, you know, we could do that influx between spirituality and the social part of our lives. But I think what I've seen um, so much over the last decade of doing this work is when we look back and you know we get past the overwhelm of too many different projects and not enough time we get past the exasperation of um just not figuring out how we can get it all together i think what we see is a lot of regret Mm -hmm. and that regret is about the ways in which we have fed or haven't fed the relationships that we're in the social relationships that we're in so i just want to throw those in there too i mean there's one other piece that i would throw in related to that Mm -hmm. is that um, it turns out to really thrive in this life is going to really d- be determined by your relationships with other people, whether that's professionally, whether that's physically, whatever. We are social creatures. I'm a neo Aristotelian in that sense, hmm. where you know he said man is a social creature. He said political animal. What, what he meant is we are the types of beings that live in close association and interdependence with other people. We cannot thrive if we don't have that as part of the thing that we're thinking through um, when we're thinking about what it means to be fully human.
0: You know, isn't that interesting? Uh, I'm sure you run across a lot of people uh, like this too, but I find that there's a lot of people out there who will regularly tell me, I don't need anyone to to flourish. You know, they just want to be, they believe in their heart of hearts, I believe, that they can be self-sufficient. But... That's really that's we we really can't really finish without other people, can we? I mean, at all, can we at all? Well, you can't do your
1: best work. You, I mean, here's the thing. Um, you know, in in the book, I talk a little bit later on about levels of success, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things we don't choose when we're starting to think about a project. And and I might have to back up a little bit here, but we're just gonna flow with it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And. And the thing is, is when we start looking at the different levels of success, so think small, moderate, and epic, and if you're not a millennial and you can't say epic, right, say extreme. (laughs) Um, And so when it comes time to going to that extreme level of success, we can't get there by ourselves. Mm -hmm. It requires a pack of people around us. It requires a community. It requires the... Um, blood, sweat, and tears, and missing you of partners and families and things like that. And so, any person that's like, "Well, I could do it all myself," I'm gonna say, you know what? At best, you can get moderate success on any project. At best. Right. right. But if you really want to turn it up to eleven, you gotta have other people in there. Mm. And I want you know people to just be honest about that because I do see so many. Um, cowboys, I'm aware you're wearing a hat, but Very I do see fact. so many ca- creative cowboys out there. They're just like, I'm just going to do it all myself.
0: And they're <laughs> struggling. Yeah, no, they do. Uh,
1: and, and so they're like, I just keep working harder and, and harder and harder, and harder. And I'm like, well, because there's only so many hours in the day. Right. And right. if you have something that's going to change the world and in, in small or large ways, one, getting other people to be involved in that only makes the world better. And two, it's only through those other people that you can reach the people you might and have the impact that you might. And so, um, but the thing about it is, Jay, I think many people get to that place because they've either been burned in their relationships, mm. or maybe they put haters and naysayers and derailers on their team, right. or maybe they're in. They've been historically asking for help and inviting people in has always been. You know, them showing that they're less than or that they're going to owe somebody or that, you know, they can't do it by themselves. And so we have so many of these really crippling um, stories. I call it head trash these crippling stories and, and self defeating thoughts that we have that keep us from the possibility of accepting that, you know what, when we invite other people in, not only is it an incredible gift for those right people, but whatever we're trying to do we're able to do it better. We're able to do it faster and we're able to reach more people and make a bigger difference.
0: That's huge. We're talking with Charlie Gilkey. His uh, book is start finishing how to go from idea to done. And I want to start with ideas, uh, here because I think, uh, well we've started a course, but I want to kind of go into ideas because you make a real big delineation that we don't really work on ideas. Uh, we work on projects and, Yet, so many of us, I mean, listen, I'm the first to admit, I have probably a board of a billion and six ideas, right, that I have probably had in a lifetime, and I think you even relate a story that your dad, uh, which by the way, I can totally relate to this, because uh, I have a, my mom is very much like this, has all sorts of stuff that she's collected over the time of her time, but she's had ideas of things that she was going to do, but she never, you know, has been able to get around to them, and certainly now um as she's aged it's she's not going to be able to do that but we do have ideas but we don't really work on ideas do we
1: no we don't work on ideas we don't do ideas we do projects and that seems to be a small difference but unfortunately what we do jay is we come across an idea and we apply a little bit of commitment juice to it right <laughs> we think just because it's an idea or just because it's something like well, we've got to do something <laughs> right, um, and that's not true. Like you can right. have a thousand great ideas a day and look at each one of those thousand ones and say, "'You know what? not for me, right, or you know what? like in another world where I didn't have what I currently have going on, or maybe if I'd had different values, right, maybe, right. but in this world, there's a small amount of things that really really matter to me, and if I don't do those, I'm gonna be unhappy. I'm going to be creatively constipated in the sense of I have all this all these ideas and all this toxicity and all these stories that don't go anywhere and then like physical constipation, you know, you have all the problems that come with that. And you can say, you know what? I can I think where we find peace is understanding that our reach will always exceed our grasp. Mm-hmm. And we have to choose from the beginning the smaller amount of things that truly matter to us. And focus on those. Um, because here's the thing. Wherever you are in your life, and again, I so love how you prime this conversation. W- whether that number was a three or whether it was a four. Right. The thing about it is is that future version of yourself, where you most want to be, your best life, that gap is filled by projects which become bridges between where you currently are and where you want to be if you don't finish those projects you don't have a bridge you have a bunch of ingredients sitting around on the other side of the creek but it's not a bridge Mm. and so many of us get stuck i think because we see where we want to go and we see where we are and we have some ideas and we have some capacities but we haven't thought about like oh wow i need to put all of those things together and turn it into a project and again it doesn't have to be a work project anything that takes time energy and attention can be a project and say you know what in this space and time, with these resources, with this goal for where I'm trying to go, how can I put these together,
0: get them on my schedule, build the bridge, and move on with my life? Awesome, his name is Charlie Gilkey, the book is entitled Start Finishing, how to go from uh, idea to done. Awesome book, and you're listening to him and watching uh, on A New Direction, and thank you everybody for doing that. And by the way, um, A New Direction, is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, Epic Physical Therapy. Whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery, suffering everyday aches and pains, having difficulty performing activities of daily living, you're unable to perform athletic activities, or you're just looking to improve, How you feel and move, the elite team at EPIC PT will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs with their experience in rehabbing young athletes to elite professionals. They understand the need to treat the body, entire body, as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injury. EPIC relief, EPIC recovery, EPIC results. You can learn more by going to EPICPT.com. That's EPIC, E-P-I-C-P-T. And also, Linda Craft and Team Realtors, wherever you're at in the world, they can help you find the right real estate professional to help you sell or buy your next home. And, listen, they're known for 35 years, they've been known as the... Literally, the legends of customer service, and they're located in Raleigh, North Carolina, but they help people all over the world. So, if you're ready to sell your home, buy a home, why don't you start with those experts at Linda Craft and team? So, you can find out more by going to their website, which is lindacraft.com. That's L I N D A C R A F T.com. And they sponsor a new direction, and we are so glad that they do. And we're here with Charlie Gilkey and his book, Start Finishing. And we have been talking a little bit about ideas, and Charlie has just been inspirational and awesome. I knew he would be. I had no doubt about that. So we, we, we're talking about ideas and projects, but I want to ask you, though, when it comes to ideas and projects, so the, the, one of the things that we say is that, you know, I don't have enough time, right, because we have these projects. So how do we, how do we start... Let's say how do we start organizing our projects or organize, organizing a project in such a way that allows us to start maybe getting a grasp on a time or is there something else that we need to do because I you know one of the things that you talk about in your book and it's a word that it's a dirty word it's a terribly dirty word and I'm going to say it on the air and I know that people are going to cringe do not for those of you who are listening do not turn off Okay, I don't care where you're listening. If you're a podcast or you know whatever, don't turn off. I'm about to use to say the word. Here it is: discipline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that. I mean it seems to me that part of getting things done, getting things vi- finished, requires some level of discipline, right? So let's talk about the importance of discipline and and then how that plays a role into into getting us to be able to start you know, completing our projects, you know, because now we've turned an idea into a project by completing those projects. So let's talk about that.
1: Jay, you're a man after my own heart here. Um, (laughs) And so what what I'll say is discipline is one of the five keys to doing your best work and living your best life. The other four are intention, awareness, boundaries, and courage. And so, y'all, it makes a good mnemonic: I-A-B-C-D, intention, awareness, boundaries, courage, and discipline. And Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right in the sense where, um, you know, I think because of our mindsets around discipline, we resist it, and because people don't dig into it enough, they haven't experienced the benefit of discipline enough to get over that uncomfortable part of having to choose from the beginning that you're not going to do some things, or having to choose from the beginning what you're going to do, or in that moment when you want to go for the comfortable, easy thing, to not do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's pause here because you know sometimes people come to me, Jay, and they're like, ah, oh, I'm terrible at, at, at having habits. I have no habits. I'm like, well, that's not true. You currently have some habits. We all have habits because we're creatures of habit, right? That's right. why we say that. Right. Um, the question becomes, are your, your habits fulfilling you? Are they pushing you towards the right direction? And it turns out that most of our organic habits push us towards comfort. They push us towards things that we like. That's why we all love potato chips and fries and things like that. We know they're not good for us, but you know what? They taste good and they're comfortable. And at the end of a long day, you don't want to eat a kale salad. You want some damn fries, (laughs) Right? right? And so all of our habits, if left to our own devices, actually go towards comfort. They go towards the safe. They go towards the known. But it turns out to change our life we have to do different things so we have to start creating new habits and at the beginning it does take some discipline juice to make that happen mm-hmm. but habits are just discipline made automatic so you do it long enough and you get to this point to where choosing not to do it is actually harder than choosing to do it mm-hmm. right Right. and so i think people have the discipline game all wrong because they think like for the rest of your life right you're going to be struggling around that that change and actually it's not true you'll go to struggle for you know a month Three months, mm. you know, if it's a really big life change. And by the way, um, not not to overly shout out your sponsors here, but I I love them in the context of the show because rehabilitation and, you know, getting back in shape, that's right. a project, man. Right. That yes. is a project. Right. Moving to somewhere else that's better for you, that's a project. And, and again, I just want to hold back to that is because I think people have goals maybe. Right. I want to lose 20 pounds right. or um, I want to, you know – Be able to stand up for longer than 20 minutes, but they haven't converted to what are the steps I need to take to do it and with everything else going on, what am I going to choose not to do? And that's where that discipline comes in and that's where sticking to it until you get to that point to where you realize that discipline creates freedom. Mm -hmm. That's that paradox that we don't understand. By the time you get into it and you have these habits that nourish you, you're making these choices that are hard in the beginning, become easier in the end. By doing these projects that always keep you off the mental, emotional, and social couch, as it were, you start seeing. wait a second. No matter what it is in this world that I want to do, I can do that. Mm. I can build my bridge there. Mm. And that's where that freedom comes in, but freedom comes at that cost of – you know you might be able to build a bridge but at the same point you got to pull out the hammers and the tools and stick with it until it's done
0: yeah I, listen i i so agree with you about you know discipline some we do we do give it make it a bad word but the fact of the matter is once it becomes a habit it's so much easier to deal with. I, I'm just going to take a couple examples. I, I, I love going to the gym every day. It is a habit for me. I get up, I do my devotional time and, and the things that I do, and and then I go to the gym. I have a regular schedule. This is my routine. I, I do that, do this, go to the gym, I go there every day. And When I don't do it, I am way, 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 way feel weird if I can't get there in, in the time schedule that I've allotted for myself. By the same token, I also know that I, I I was pre-diabetic and I did not want to do medication, so I had to make a lifestyle change, right? And I had to be very disciplined about it. Literally, no sugar. And then it was not just no sugar, it was no fruit because that was containing sugar that was elevating and then it became, you know, no, you know, no white carbs and because that was elevating my sugar. So, I had to be, become very disciplined about, you know, doing these things. Well, you're right. You know what? The, f- the first three months, I'll be honest with you, the first three months were a little bit of a challenge, okay? They really were. But I, two, I'm going on two years of this now. I got to tell you, I don't miss it. Matter of fact, I have I lost a bunch of weight. I feel amazing, coupled with my habits of the gym anyway, and then having these changed in the eating habits has you're right it's created more freedom i can do more i can i have more energy i have more ability to do more things i can get more done i can complete more stuff it's it there is so much freedom in it but i don't i think we find discipline to be such a bad word that we don't understand that once we become into a habit formation or a routine formation then what happens is that it actually is so much better for us
1: it's so much better for us and i think the thing about it is is that I agree with you. We've made it a dirty word, and you know, you, you mentioned from the beginning. I, at heart, I'm, I'm still a soldier, right? And so I'm going to tell people up front: yes, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to whitewash that. It's right. going to be hard. Right? And here's what you get from it. Right. And once you understand that, you know what, if you're exasperated about how your life is or if you're tired of looking at your friends on Facebook and Instagram or wherever you're looking at, just like, you know, that person's in shape and they're 45 and I'm 45 and they're doing all the cool things and I'm not. You know what the difference is? They're out doing it. They've made it – in. they put it into their life. There's nothing that's uniquely defective about any of us or we're all uniquely defective. Either of the two can be true, but there's no fundamental difference, and sometimes it comes down to discipline. And the reason I wanted to start here, and I'm I'm glad you started there, is because one of the um, frameworks or, or ways of thinking that I want people to start thinking about is what I call the five projects rule. And the five projects rule, real quick, is, you know, it it banks on this longer sort of way of saying it, which is no more than five active projects per time perspective. I could break that down a little bit. It's that time perspective that does so much of the workforce. So most of us intuitively know the difference between a week-sized project and a month-sized project, Mm. just like we know the difference between a meaningful chunk of a day and a project that's going to take a week long to do. Right. i um, just like we know the difference between a month sized project and a quarter sized project. This becomes super helpful for us because when we're thinking about what to do for the week, we can say, you know what, what are the five week sized projects that I want to get done or get significant progress on this week? And how do those relate to the five larger month sized projects that I've already set out to do this month? And we can sort of work our way back up. And the reality becomes very, very quickly is like most of us, if we're being really honest, know that we're not doing more than five significant projects at any time slice per week or mm. per, you know, per that time slice. So we're not getting more than five significant projects done per week. Mm. Right. And it, it bears out time and time and time again. And I'm going to dial in just a little bit more here. For a lot of people, it's helpful to think about three work or economic projects and two personal projects. And so, you know, we're recording this on November 4th. And, you know, in a few weeks in the in the States, we're going to have Thanksgiving. And for many people, especially women in the United States, Thanksgiving dinner and having folks over and doing that, that's a week-sized project. Yeah. They're starting the week off, like if you want to think whatever that is, Monday comes around. If they committed to having a great Thanksgiving, they've got four remaining projects left over. Right. But we don't think that way. And if we try to stack into an already full week, this Thanksgiving dinner thing, and it's harried and we're not super present and, you know, frustrated and everybody's riled up. And so what I would want people to accept from the beginning of, say, like a Thanksgiving week is like, you know what, that project is going to displace something else that I might have done. Um, And I'm okay with that because being with my family, having this really great Thanksgiving dinner, being able to say I love you and I thank you to the people around me without having that monkey chattering at me at the back of my mind about all the things I'm not doing or what I need to get to next, like Mm. that's worth it to me. Mm. And I'm willing to say, you know what, that work project that I'm going to half work on and not finish anyways, I'm just going to punt that until next week and negotiate that with my boss if I need to. Mm. But this is what matters to me this week. And it's what I can do. So the five projects rule, once you accept the limitation of it, it's, it's a great triage rule. It's a great planning rule because you're not having to plan so many different projects that as soon as one gets off, you know, you're trying to chase them and you end up in a cascade. Right. And it's a great tool for expectations about what you're going to be able to do and be at peace with that and make sure that you're doing the right things mm-hmm. versus being torn in so many different directions and not really getting anywhere on any of them.
0: Uh, we're talking with Charlie Gilkey. By the way, that's good stuff, man. It's really good. Charlie Gilkey, uh, the book is entitled "Start Finishing: How to Go from uh, Idea to Done." Uh, available Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your favorite bookstore. If they don't have it on the bookshelves, you should ask them why, because it should be there. And uh, tell them to face it out, because it's a it's a great great book. And if you're one of those people who just feels like, man, I'm just overwhelmed, I can't get the projects done, I'm telling you, this book is. So comprehensive and will help you get literally, seriously, I mean this when I say it will literally take an idea out of your head, turn it into a project and he has uh, built uh, so so many things into this to help you just break it down so you can actually get it done. And I I, I, I don't know if I skipped this or I'm not sure if I I wanted to talk about it so I'm going to is I wanted to talk about goals and the goal framework and I love the SMART framework. Because I feel like the SMART framework is really something that people should get themselves um, when it comes to creating these goals of the, our five, even in our five projects, right? We need to have goals on what we're what we're planning to accomplish and and how the project that we're planning to get done. But we need to have goals, right, to get those done. And I I really love the SMART framework. Do you want to go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So the SMART framework, I'm not the first guy to come up with it. I, I've made some tweaks to it, though, for to make it more personal, <laughs> more meaningful to us because um, I couldn't help it. Um, actually, I, I, because because I, I saw some of the shortfalls of the corporate version of it. Sure. So SMART, it's an acronym, S-M-A-R-T, simple, meaningful, actionable, realistic, and trackable. Mm. And most of them are fairly straightforward, um, mm. but why I switch that M out because um, that one used to be measurable in the, right. in the sort of corporate version, right. is that so many people had committed to projects and committed to goals that when you really ask them, like, why does that matter to you? How is that going to change your life? How is right. that going to remove a pain? How is that going to help you be the type of person you want to be? They right. couldn't nail that. Right. And guess what? It was those projects that remained in the you know bucket of projects undone. Mm. indefinitely. And so I had to add that back in there. And the realistic piece is something that especially a lot of us creative souls, Mm. you know, we have this very, uh, we have this very tense relationship with reality. Because on the one hand, we know we have to work within the sort of given constraints of reality. But on the other hand, as people, what we do is change reality. (laughs) Right? right? And so we're in this nexus to where there's always some adjacent possible future that's right in front of us. But we have to work within the realities and constraints of where we are. And so many people get wrapped around the axles about what realistic means and, and things like that. But it for me, you know, Jay, it comes down to um, whatever goal you've set for yourself. If you want to lose 30 pounds and you say you want to lose 30 pounds in a week, I – again, I'm going to be the bearer of bad news and unless you apply some extreme – extreme effort, probably under the guidance of medical professionals, you are not going to lose that weight, right? It's not realistic. And the worst thing you can do is set yourself up so that when you don't hit that goal, you have another shame story or you have more head trash about how you're not able to do what you're going to do. Way better to say, you know what? The average, what people plan on in this industry is, you know, two pounds a week is a really good goal, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that's for most people. You know what? I'm an overachiever though. I'm going to give myself five pounds. But here's, you know, what I want to do with the smart goals. Again, go back to what I talked about with levels of success. Is that too many people want epic results, right. but they don't want put in, they don't want to put in the epic effort to get there. Hmm. And you know, the grace that we have by choosing smart goals and really being clear about that, and then sort of measuring that based upon what level of success we want, is that we could be at peace and saying, you know what, I. I want a bigger goal, but honestly, I'm going to put in a small amount of effort, so I am going to adjust what I think is possible based upon the amount of effort that I'm going to do, right? But this other thing over here, this other thing really matters to me, and I'm willing to go all in, man. I'm willing to get up at 4.30. I'm willing to put money down. I'm willing to you know, recruit my friends and be vulnerable. For that thing, I'm going to go after the epic goal, so I don't want people – to choose that everything has to be to be epic because that's how you burn yourself out and burn your relationships out and, and just really make about a bunch of poor, unsustainable choices. Nor do I want people to always settle for the small things. I want us to be super intentional. Again, going back to those five keys I mentioned with intention being one of them and saying, you know what, these are the priorities, these are the values in my life, and I am going to allocate my time, energy, and attention accordingly and be okay with what I get. This thing matters to me in this way I'm going to give it, you know, I want some small goals. I want some wins. I'm going to go after it, and that's how I'm going to do it. This thing matters to me a lot. I'm going to go after it that way and track those goals and be honest about the relationship between the amount of effort and skin in the game you put on
0: those projects versus the return from that effort and skin in the game. Got it. I, I Listen, uh, we are on the same page on this, and you, you say something um, towards the middle half of that chapter where you say something maybe towards the end where you say no date, no finish.
1: Absolutely. No date, no finish. And that's, I think why so many ideas and projects end up in this someday maybe land is cause it's like, well, I'll do it, you know, someday, maybe somewhere in the future. And you know, a lot of times the orientation that you can have is not just thinking about that, that deadline or that due date, mm-hmm. but saying, you know what? I'm going to start this on that date i think start dates are really underemphasized in this mm. whole personal development and productivity thing we talk mm. about end dates, but not that start date mm. because that start date if you're really serious about it it you know I, I joke in the book if you like it put a ring on it right i'm, right, I'm right, referencing right. beyonce right? right but if you really want to do that thing and you're not willing to say you know what in two weeks i'm starting this project and i'm clearing the decks and getting myself ready to do that project at a certain point, I would ask you, like, how serious are you about it? Mm. Like, how are, are you willing to do it or not? And if you're not willing, that's fine. I'd rather know that from the beginning. Right. So you get off this whole idea project boat and we're, and we're being more compassionate with ourselves and with each other. But, you know, looking at it realistically, not bumping it to someday maybe land, not like, well, I'm just going to start it at the you know, first of the year because that sounds like a great time to start. But like, no, there are projects that I need to finish and I know I need two months to do so. Right. So I'm going to stack them up and clear some decks because, again, people are trying – I haven't said this yet, so I, I said it again, but I shouldn't. People are trying to stuff 14 pounds of stuff into a 10-unit bag, and it just right. doesn't work, right? right? There's right. no amount of ways in which we're currently able to make more time in a day. doesn't work. So what we need to be thinking about is you know, how do we pull down our load? How do we pull down our expectations to match – something closer to what we can actually carry. And then I know that's hard. I know because no creative, no human wants to hear that you're limited and there's a certain amount of time in a day, right? No one wants to hear that. But I I promise you on the other side of that, being able to go to sleep at the end of a day, being able to look back over the week and say, and being proud, being able to look back over a year and say, you know what? I kicked a lot of butt that year.
0: It's worth it. Right. I love that. His name's is Charlie Gilkey. His book, uh, Start Finishing. I'm, seriously. No, I'm, I'm I'm not making that up, folks. Start Finishing. Seriously. No, How to Go from Idea to Done is the name of the book. It's available everywhere. And uh, he's with us here on A New Direction. Hey, A New Direction has a new sponsor. And you know who that is? Epic Physical Therapy. Their facility, by the way, which is outstanding. I've been there. I've been treated there. They, they've they got over 75 years of combined experience. Amazing. But let me tell you what the facility offers. They It is one of the most advanced Top of the line, they have the best equipment. I'm telling you, something like the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, and Game Ready, just to name a few. They are trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, including blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping. That's just a few. Learn how they can make you more epic by going to EpicPT.com. That's EpicPT, e-p-i-c. P-t.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, no matter where you're at in the world, Linda Craft and her team can help you match up with the best professional possible to help you sell your home or buy your next home. And if you happen to be in the Research Triangle Park area of Raleigh-Durham and Chapel Hill, stop by their office at 7306 Forks Road, get a free bottle of water, and find out why. They are the legends of customer service. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot And we are back here on A New Direction with Charlie Gilkey and his book, Start Finishing, How to Go from Idea to Done. Charlie, I... I, I know that we are not going to get through the entire book, and that's never my intention. I just want to give people a really good flavor of the book. And man, you're doing i am just telling you, man, you're—you're you're awesome. But there's one part that just spoke to my heart, and I think it's going to speak to other people as well. You know, and so when there's certain things in the books, you know, because I like you, I read a book a week. You know, when I'm interviewing the authors, because I want to try to know their book as well as they do. I certainly don't, but I try to. And one of the areas that spoke to me were creating your success pack. And I'll tell you why this one really hit me. And I want you to go into it is because when we think about creating the people around us who are going to be our encouragers or the people who are going to help us get our projects done, one of the things I probably did not think about was actually breaking down who were those people in our success pack uh, between guides, peers, supporters, and beneficiaries. And I would really love you if you wouldn't mind going into talking about those, the success pack and, and those people and why they're so important for us to be successful in completing our project.
1: Thanks so much for highlighting that, Jay, because it's one of those two, three things from the book that where if people don't take anything else from it, it's one of those things I want them to. Awesome. Um, so, so thanks for, so much for that. So yeah. as you mentioned, um, your success pack is made up of four different kinds of people. But before I get into those kinds, I want to talk about who's not on the team. And that's naysayers and derailers. And naysayers are what they sound like. They're the haters. They're the people around you that never seem to have you know, any belief in you or your projects. And uh, first thing I want to tell you is they don't belong on your team. And it's not that they're bad people.
0: <laughs> but I'm we spoke, Jay. We, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. First of all, don't let a hater on your team. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That sounds obvious.
1: Except... <laughs> Except, all. okay, we spend a lot of time and a lot of our effort trying to make naysayers approve of our of our work or, you are us so or right. like what we're doing.
0: You're so right. You're you're absolutely you're, you hit it. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: And so, um, you know, like the poet, musician, and philosopher Taylor Swift said, "Haters gonna hate," <laughs> right? And so you, they're just not going to change that. And the amount of effort that you will take in trying to change their mind is just not worth it. Right. Okay. Right. So the second group of people who are even more challenging than the naysayers, though, are your derailers. And your derailers are the people who they may love you. They may want the best for you. But however you interact with them, you just end up stung. You end up um, depleted. You end up like you have some of the life sucked out of you. It might take you three days to recover from that phone call, even though it might be a parent or, or a partner or whatever. And derailers are also not on your success pack. Right. Mm. We want the yay sayers in your life. Mm. We want the people who already believe in you. We want the people that and and I know this is going to sound like a very subtle difference, but we want the people who don't question if you're going to be successful, Mm. but how you're going to be successful. Mm. Right. We want those people that turn all of that creative juice into possibilities for you as opposed to just ways of reaffirming the the, the scared and and incapable parts of yourself. Okay, so. So, they're yaysayers, four kinds of yaysayers you want to put on there. Guides. These are the mentors on the roads. They are your Gandalfs, Yodas, Dumbledore's, Morpheuses, or insert whatever pop culture reference you need to make it work for you, right? These are the people that um, you put on your team, not because they're going to do any work for you, but because they see the world differently in a way that's constructive. To helping you see how to change your life and and to see that the way in which you've locked yourself into whatever situation you are, um that you're in, that doesn't have to be that way. So we pull guides on because of their vision, how they see the world. So guides and eyes. Remember that. Guides and eyes. Guides and eyes, got it. Second are your peers. Your peers are the people sort of shoulder to shoulder. Um, you know, if we were to keep with the pop culture reference, these are the people that are on their journey with you. Um, They're the Knights of the Nine or whatever you want to go into with that one, right? So these are the people you put on your team, usually because of their brain and their brain can be fleshed out in different ways, but um, they're the ones that are going to be able to see your situation and and provide useful sort of feedback for you, Um, you know, weigh in, be thought partners, things like that for you. Um, And again, they're going to be constructive. Now, I want to pause here because it can be really useful to have that person on your team who really believes in you but they might be a little tough, right? Mm-hmm. They might not be that for they might not be that yes person that will just agree with everything that you say, but they'll be like, "You know what, Jay? You know that's a great idea. Let's kind of think about it some of this way too, or maybe you want to go that way." And they challenge you just a little bit. So just because they give you constructive feedback doesn't mean that they're a hater or naysayers. People sometimes right. get that wrong. Right. right? Um, and so you do want. I think it's useful to have someone that raises the level of bar of your thinking and work on your success pack. And usually they need to be a peer. Yeah. Third group. Remember, peers are for your or bra- for the brains. Hmm. Third group are your supporters. Supporters are your hands. They are the people in the project with you, actually getting it done, actually helping you like move some of the pieces around, doing some hammering, doing real work to push the the, the um, project forward. Okay. Those are your hands. That's why we have supporters. Hmm. The last one are your beneficiaries. And believe it or not, they're the heart of the project because these are the right. people other than you who um, will benefit from both the process and the outcome of your project. Right. And they'll, when you get stuck, they can help out in two ways. When you're conceptually stuck, you can you know, not spend nine months Googling things and wondering in your head. You can go to the actual person you're building something for and say, hey, does this work? You can send a text, you can send an email, you can do whatever you need to do. And yes, that requires some vulnerability, but that's part of the work that it's going to take for you to do your best work. So when you're conceptually stuck, they can help out. Mm-hmm. When you're emotionally stuck, they can remind you that like if you don't finish that thing that you do, mm-hmm. that person out there that would otherwise benefit will not benefit. You know, In this world, no matter what we do, we do one of two things, sometimes a combination of both, is we deliver delights or we solve problems. Right. That's what we come down to. Delivering delights solve problems. Your project, your projects do that. And if you're not delivering a, a delight and solving that problem for that person, they're stuck. Mm-hmm. They still have the same problem or they're in the, defi- the deficit of that delight. And sometimes that's enough for most of us to say, you know what? If it were just up to me, I'd phone it in. I, I, have, I got a show on Netflix I want to watch. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If I don't do this thing and I've told Jay that I'm going to do it, then not only do I look like a butt – Jay's worse off, right? He's still in that same position. I'm not going to do that to him. And it can supply just a little bit of that momentum juice or a little bit of that motivation juice. Unfortunately, I think when we start thinking about our success packs, the first place people's brains go is to guides because they got the sauce, right? Right. The guides, if I just had more of the resources, I saw the world or whatever, right? Right. If Jeff Jeff Bezos was on my team, I could do anything. (laughs) It might be true because it's Jeff Bezos, but (laughs) the reality is a lot of times – He's not going to do any real work for you. He's going to tell you things like, remember who you are. And you're like, what the hell does that mean? Right. Right? Um, But it doesn't, you don't understand it until you get to that crossroad. But your beneficiaries are the ones whereby if you're in tighter and better relationships with them, they will keep you in that project. They will keep you from getting stuck. And when you want to give up, they'll keep you in the game. And so just think for for each of those groups, think three to five people per.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Because what that does is that creates a group Of 12 to 20 people around you that you can reach out to, that you can phone a friend that can catch you when you fall into your own, into that same crap that you've been doing. Um, That can catch you when you, you know, overcommit to this new bright shiny object that you just had to do. And your your buddy's like, "Hey, but what about the thing?" Right? Like, "Oh yeah, the thing." Right? Right? Whatever it is, this success pack is actually what creates this. I, I joke it I joke about it as being a reality distortion bubble <laughs> in, the
0: sen- in the sense
1: in the sense where it's not what you think. It's not that they're keeping reality around you. They're helping you alter the reality around you mm. to create this new possibility that you want to live in.
0: Awesome. I I love, I, listen, I love the success pack. I, I love that. Uh, his name's Charlie Gilkey, by the way. That's who I'm talking to. He wrote this outstanding book. He's an outstanding guy, right? I mean, you listening to him? is he, You people who are listening right now, you are blown away. I know you are because he's helping you become outstanding, great, better. Because you've always had it in you. I didn't say that. He did. Anyway, start finishing. uh, How to go from idea to done. Available on Amazon, Barnes Noble, your favorite bookstore if it's not there. If your book is dog-eared as mine, uh, you will... Yes, that's how much I love it. It's so dog-eared. I, matter of fact, I think I have more dog-eared pages than non-dog-eared pages is what I've got here. But the book is great. Make sure you pick up a copy of it. Uh, if, if you're somebody who struggles with, I mean, he even talks about email, by the way, handling email, how to handle email in a better way. And I know a lot of you uh, people who listen to the show are always asking, man, how can I deal with email? Well, actually, it gives you some tips on how you should deal with email. It's, it's actually phenomenal and uh, you'll love it. Um, But I want to talk about um, something that's near and dear to your heart, I believe, and also that I found that I I really enjoyed reading, and that was The Project Pyramid. And I know that um, it's going to be difficult for people who are listening to this on a podcast eventually and who are listening to this on CastBox FM Live. Thank you for joining us. And also the people who listen to this on Oak 93.5 FM. Thank you, everybody, for listening on Thursdays and Sundays. I appreciate you doing that. But if we can, can we describe – can you – do you think you can uh, – how do you feel about trying to describe the project pyramid and breaking that down for us? Do you think Man, we Man, I'll
1: give it to college trial. Let's do it.
0: All right. Let's do it. So let's talk about the project pyramid, why it's important, and then what it really is and how that can help us finish a project.
1: Yeah, I kind of talked a little bit about the project pyramid in a backwards way when I talked about the five projects rule earlier. But the, pro- the project pyramid shows why we need the five projects rule. So here's basically the sit down. Imagine – that you had any given goal that you think would take you about a year long. Okay, it's going to take you a year long to get there, the investor resources to get there. Well, it turns out that we can think on a simple project that that might break down into sort of four size chunks, right? So we have one thing that splits into four things. That's part of the pyramid. Then if we're just keeping with a simple model, we might say, you know what, there's a a month-sized leg to every – quarter, excuse me, there are three month size legs to every quarter. Right. So we've gone from one thing to four things. Now we're down to, you know, 12 plus four, right. we're down to 15 things, right? Or 17 things, right? Um, so under that, we might say, you know what, but every week, every month has four week size projects that I might do it. I might say, you know what, every week I'm going to do one week size project to move that goal forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you keep doing the math. I'm going to lose it very quickly there. But right. at the very bottom, we can say, you know what, at the daily level, and there's a pro tip here, Jay. Um, I don't know how much time I have to talk about it, but at the daily level, I like people to think in terms of either two-hour chunks or 15-minute tasks. Mm-hmm. Two-hour chunks, 15-minute tasks. Why? Because that email that you've tr- been trying to get to, it's probably going to take you at least 15 minutes to do it, right? Not just right. the simple ones you can archive and get rid of, but like those ones that actually you have to sit down and come up with a cogent response, Right. on average, take about 15 minutes. So if you have to send eight of those a day, guess what? That's a two-hour chunk. Of your day, where does that two hours live on your schedule? That's what people are not thinking. They're like, "Oh, something's wrong with me. I don't know how to do emails." No, you just got 16 emails you need to see to send today, and you have 45 minutes to do it. That's not going to work, anyways. So you get down to this bottom of all of these chunks and tasks that you need to do, and that one goal. Remember that one year long goal has blown up into, you know, four quarter size projects was has blown up into 12 month size projects, which has blown up into 52 week size projects, which has this whole smorgasbord of blocks and chunks at the bottom. That's why it's a pyramid. That's one goal, mm. one goal. Mm. So let's say you want to lose weight. Let's say you want to, you know, move from Raleigh to Portland. That's another goal. It's going to have that same setup. And that's what we get into is when we roll into new year, new you time, or I want to change my lifetime, we're like, great, okay, I'm just going to have this one goal without seeing that bottom layer of 15-minute task and two-hour chunks that's going to power that forward. And so this is why there's so many folks that are in my industry, myself included, that are like, look, man, we got to constrain this thing down to like five goals, right? Five goals, maybe three goals, because this is just the new stuff that you might do in your life this is not all the routines this is not all the chores this is not getting the kids back and forth to school all of which count as projects or tasks It count as work y'all right yeah. if you say above and beyond what i'm currently doing i'm going to do this new year size thing right you're committed to you have conceptually committed to that bottom layer of the pyramid mm. and if you don't have that time energy and attention in your schedule somewhere and you're not making room for it guess what That project's not going to go forward, and it's nothing wrong with you. It's just about the fact that you don't have the fuel in your schedule to fuel that project. So my question becomes, what are you going to adjust? Are you going to adjust your expectation about the project? Are you going to start looking at your schedule and saying, you know what? I'm going to make room on it and make room in the schedule, and here's how I'm going to do it.
0: That's awesome. The the, the beautiful thing that I loved about the pyramid – that you designed in this was that it was it was conceptually understanding that 15 minutes of my day just affected my year yep that's that was the that was the part that blew me away is that I I I don't think we pay attention that the 15 minutes that you spent on the email just affected your entire yearly goal and that that when I started reading through that at a deeper level it just it blew me away and I was like holy cow it's no wonder we don't complete the things that we complete because we don't recognize that the 15 minutes that I spent on email just affected my whole yearly output, which is amazing.
1: I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Can I add in something sure. else real quick? Sure. That that also means that that 15 minutes that you spent on Facebook or scrolling through Grubhub because you couldn't figure out what to eat also, <laughs>
0: also affected your year. It did. It did. Can you believe that you and I have been on for an hour?
1: man, I could do this for another 30 minutes, but I know you got to go.
0: I know. I, well, I mean, but the, I mean, you have been great. I, 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 I listen, I I'm going to call you friend because everybody who's on the show is a friend. And so what I asked my friends to do at the end of every show, you know, the show's called a new direction because we try to help people find a new direction in their life or their career and their business. And you've done all three today. So, but I asked them if you could leave the listeners with a new direction. What would Charlie Gilkey leave them with based on start finishing and how to go from idea to done?
1: I would leave them with the realization that how they spend their time is much more under their control than they may have realized. Mm -hmm. And I would want them to find new ways, new directions on how to spend that time that helps them bridge that gap between where they are Mm and where they want to be, and bridging it with finished projects.
0: Awesome. His name's Charlie Gilkey, book's called Start Finishing, how to go from idea to done, get it. Folks, it's another show, and you know what I say every week, be inspired, because when you're inspired, that means you'll inspire someone else, and in turn, they can inspire other people, and that can make this world a great place. I'll be back next week with another outstanding guest. I thank you for joining me, I am so grateful to every one of you. Listening to podcasts, wherever you are, Thank you so much all over this great world of ours because so many of you listen from all over the world. Thank you. Merci. I appreciate you so much. So, you know what I say every week? You know what it is. Ciao, everybody. Confidence and the answers don't make sense. You got to keep your hope alive, you got to know you can survive.